This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast. And we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. All right, welcome back to Killer Queens. Hey. Hey. Before we jump into today's case, as always, well, first of all, if you're new here, welcome. Yes, we cannot forget that. Happy fall, y'all. We're back to it. (laughs) Wow. Happy fall, y'all. I am more excited about fall than I thought I was going to be. Well, it's the little things this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got a couple little cute scarecrow things uh, for the kids for Halloween-ish kind of She's stuff. decorating, and that helps with the excitement. It really does. Um, but anyway, so happy fall to you. And, uh, you know, if you're new here, welcome. If you're coming back, welcome back. If you do not know or are not familiar, we do have a Patreon that you can check out. Mm-hmm. So I like to say... That our podcast is like the intersection of true crime and 90s vibes. Yes. So if you're new here, just expect that. 90s nostalgia plus true crime. Sure. And the Patreon, we do a lot of stuff on there. We got bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, all kind of cool stuff we do. We've got our discussion group on Facebook. There's a free one for everybody. And then there's a paid one. For our ten dollar and up tiers, so kind of get a little more uh, in depth. And yeah, a little more intimate action there. We also have an Instagram. Got an Instagram. Yeah, we got all kinds of stuff going on. So. And if you happen to enjoy the TV show Snapped, we also have a second show called Oh Snapped. You can mm-hmm. find that anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Absolutely. So you know, if you want to hang with us more, there's there's ways. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Yeah. Otherwise, we will get right into today's case. Yay. One thing that we've been saying a lot, um, I feel like on the mixtape especially, is you're going to want to throw somebody out the window, you know, when there's something like infuriating in a case. Yes. This whole entire case. No, go ahead and get ready. Throw that window open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The window needs to be ready. You're going to want to pitch somebody out that window at multiple times. You might want to stretch first. Well, sure, you want to get loose because you don't want to hurt yourself. Yeah. up. And um, whoever ends up getting thrown out the window. That's their problem. They deserve it. Mm -hmm. This case is fucked up. Yep. They should be prepared to be like, look, I'm sorry that I was in the the crossfire. Exactly. Wrong place, wrong time. You're going to be pissed. Mm -hmm. All right. Here we go. It's going to make you mad. Mad. March 18th, 1990 in Augusta, Georgia. 
Danette and Jeanette Milbrook, 15-year-old twin girls, had spent their Sunday with family. After lunch, the twins went to visit their older sister and godfather, making the trek on foot through the different neighborhoods. Just before heading back home, the girls stopped at the local pump and shop gas station to pick up some chips and soda. The cashier gave them their change, glanced away, and turned back around. The twins were gone, not visible in any direction. This was the last confirmed sighting of Danette and Jeanette Millbrook. That is insane to 1990. Me. So long ago now. Oh, so long ago. It's 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah, but you think about... You it's turn like, your head. Yeah. Turn back around. And the cashier was like, I looked, you know, both ways. I looked one way and I'm like, okay, I don't see him walking that way. So I turned the other way because obviously they had to go that way. Nothing. Don't see him as far as the eye can see. They're just gone. And I've thought about that so many times. Like people, you know, people are always like, people don't just vanish. They kind of do. It's like they evaporated into thin air. Yes, it's exactly. And just a couple weeks ago, um, we were at one of Ben's soccer games. And after the soccer games, the... Um, Goalie. No, this is not even anything to do with soccer. The snow cone truck. Yeah, you were never going to get that. The snow cone truck parks out there and they'll sell snow cones after the games or whatever. It's very smart because we had to stand in line and buy one every time. But there was a little girl standing in line in front of us and we were like the last people in line. So they were getting ready to close up or whatever. Oh, no, she was behind us anyway. We were looking, trying to figure out what we wanted, and so the girl was, like, you know, talking about what flavor she liked, and, you know, we started talking to her. So when we placed our order, Andrew was like, hey, what do you want? Like, we'll just go ahead and grab yours, too. Whatever, just to be nice. So she ordered hers, and she, and there was only one other family, like, at the pavilion. So I assumed it was her family, because there was only one other family I could see. Mm-hmm. So the the snow cone thing is in the parking lot. She gets hers. I turn around to, like, get some napkins or whatever. I turn back around. I give the kids their snow cones. I look up, and I look toward the the people that I thought were her family, and she's not over there. And so I turn the other way, and I don't see her. And I scan the whole parking lot and because there's not that many cars parked anymore. We're, we're, like, one of the last people there. She's I don't see her at all. I don't know where she went. And I said, Andrew, which way did she walk off? He's like, I don't know. I didn't see her. I'm like, where in the hell could she have gone? Because she would have had to walk a good way to get to a building to get into somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming a car probably came up like maybe behind and picked her up. I'm sure her family picked her up. But in that moment, I was just thinking like, this is how that happens. Like it can happen like that. And you're just like, I don't know where she went. She's well, gone. Yeah. Especially if this is the sales clerk or whatever. She's not thinking, I need to keep an eye on these girls. Right, yeah. She's absentmindedly doing things and then look up and like, oh God, where do they go? Yeah. Yeah, and like in everyday situations, I will see something and and just pay attention like, I don't know, this is probably really stupid, but like sometimes a car will drive by and I'll be like, I'm going to see if I can read the license plate number. I'm going to see if I could remember it. Or I'll be like, you know, I'll see if I can identify what type of car this is. And 99% of the time, I'm wrong. Like, you know, it's like eyewitness stuff. You think about that because people are like, well, they saw the car drive by. They're lying or, you know, whatever it is that they try to pick apart or whatever. I like how you're prepping yourself for this moment. I know. I know. I do it all the time. I'm like, I have to, I try to like notice the mundane because it's always those things because you're like, today is a regular day. So nothing crazy is going to happen. So I try to pick out like one super mundane thing every day. And I'm like, I would never pay attention to this, but today I am. And it might come in handy one day. Wow. 
Maybe I could solve a murder. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but the anxiety that you must experience. Oh, all day. That's yeah. just normal. Yeah. <laughs> That's just normal. Yeah. Danette Latonia Millbrook and Jeanette Latrice Millbrook were born on April 7th, 1974 to Mary Sturgis, better known as Miss Louise, and John Millbrook. Sources say that the twins had a total of eight siblings. However, this is not definitively confirmed. Shantae Sturgis was the twins' younger sister by two years. She remembers her sisters as being fun and happy, just like normal kids. She recalls afternoons they spent picking pecans and blueberries. Jessica Logan, another sister, vividly remembers all of them putting music on the television and everyone would stand in a line. They'd take turns saying their names and shaking their hips. It was such a cute story, like her talking about that. That is sweet. They'd often play in the backyard, making up dances and cheers. Jeanette was the shorter of the twins with a lighter complexion. She was the bolder of the two, always making sure that no one picked on her twin. Danette was darker skinned, taller, and the peacemaker of the two. Their sister remembered that the girls were nicknamed Night and Day. Like, and they were like so, they were almost like completed each other, you know? Like the yin and the yang. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's really. It's really interesting to hear about because no matter what era you grew up in, I feel like no matter what, when you were an adolescent, if you were a girl or, you know, that's not it's not limited i'm making a generalization it's not limited to girls but if you're an adolescent and you enjoyed that kind of thing you made up dances you made up cheers you did that kind of stuff oh yeah yeah exactly it It transcends time Mm -hmm. yeah when the twins were around two years old miss louise made the difficult decision to leave her husband john while they'd been sweethearts for some time john was abusive and cruel and she was worried that he might start to take out his aggression on the twins The girls were scared of him even at a young age. At the time of their disappearance, the twins were freshmen at Lucy C. Laney High School in Augusta. Their family had recently moved from a neighborhood called Bethlehem to a new home on Cooney Circle. Bethlehem was riddled with gang activity, violence, and drugs. Augusta, Georgia is said to be essentially separated by Broad Street. This street roughly marks the line drawn between poverty and the more affluent residents. Augusta is home to the Masters Golf Tournament and has been since 1934. This tournament, which lasts one week, which feels like forever, hate watching golf. <laughs> you have a s- separate personal experience with the Masters. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hate the Masters. Um, last a week takes place every year in April, and this brings golf fans from across the world to Augusta to see this tournament. The city does what it can to keep a prosperous and welcoming image to its visitors, tucking the small, impoverished neighborhoods like Bethlehem away from their view. I feel like that kind of stuff implies that it's a dirty little secret. Therefore, people don't get, like, that community does not get the resources and the attention that it deserves. 100%. Yeah. Physical descriptions of the girls. Jeanette is a black female who was 5'4 and 125 pounds at the time of her disappearance. She was last seen wearing a blue pullover, white turtleneck, beige skirt, white tights, and white sneakers. Jeanette was 5'6 and 130 pounds at the time that she disappeared. She is slightly bow-legged. Both girls, oh, she was last seen wearing a white Mickey Mouse shirt, white jeans, and black sneakers. Both girls had pierced ears and a small scar near their navel and had their hair styled in shoulder-length jerry curls at the time. They both had small scars on their belly button? Yeah. From childbirth? I guess. Huh. 
Yeah, I don't know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Now to the day of the disappearance. March 18, 1990 was a sunny Sunday in Augusta. The twins and their family woke up, got dressed, and took the church's van to attend their morning church service. Afterwards, the pastor gave Miss Louise some extra cash to get her and the children some lunch. Because the family didn't have a vehicle, they had limited options for lunch. Danette and Jeanette took the money and walked for approximately 15 to 20 minutes down the road to Church's Chicken where they picked up lunch for the whole family. When the twins returned home, Jeanette mentioned that there had been a man in a white van following them. That is so creepy. Mm-hmm. The girls didn't make a big deal about the van, so the family quickly dismissed it and enjoyed their lunch. Afterwards, the girls discussed with their mother about how they were going to get to school that week. Their recent move had pushed them out of their high school's district, and while they were being allowed to finish the school year there, the school bus was unable to pick them up, so now they've got to find a way to get to school every day. After speaking to their godfather, Ted, on the phone, he promised to help them out with money to take the city bus to school that week. While Miss Louise wasn't a fan of the twins walking back to their old neighborhood, she figured one trip was better than the girls having to walk to and from school all week. Shantae begged to walk with the girls, but they said no, likely wanting only the big girls on their walk. Around 3 p.m., the twins set off on the 40-minute walk to their godfather's house located in their old neighborhood of Bethlehem. After getting cash from Ted for their bus rides for the upcoming week, plus a little extra for a treat on the way home, the girls walked the short distance to their cousin Juanita's home. They asked her if she wanted to spend the night, a normal occurrence for the girls, but Juanita's mom said no. She was concerned that the girls would still be out walking when it got dark out. The twins continued on their trek a short way to visit their older sister, Asiander Millbrook. Asiander had recently given birth and was still recovering. The twins asked if she could walk home with them. This was an odd request coming from the girls. Miss Louise said the twins often walked places many kids did in the 90s. Asiander said no due to her still not feeling great. After this quick visit with their sister, the twins headed back towards home, making a stop at the pumpkin shop to grab a snack. The clerk, Miss Gloria, was familiar with the girls. 
The convenience store was close to the twins' old home, so they were frequently in the shop. She recalled them buying chips and sodas. She asked them how their mother was and how they liked their new home. She didn't notice anything abnormal in the girls' behavior. Gloria, Miss Gloria handed them their change, glanced away briefly, and when she turned back, the twins were gone. Miss Louise became increasingly worried when the twins had not returned by nightfall. This was incredibly out of character for the girls. She and Shantae went out and began walking the streets looking in bushes, alleys, and wooded areas for the girls. With no sighting of them, Shantae and Miss Louise turned home, where she called the Richmond County Sheriff's Department. The dispatcher advised her that the twins had to be missing for 24 hours before they could take a report. Can we, like, do away with that? I hate that. Well, because the most crucial amount of time in an, a disappearance or an investigation is the first 48 hours. Mm-hmm. If you have to wait for 24 hours after they've been missing, you've already cut that in half. Yeah, and, now and you some have of very them say it has to be 48 or 72 hours. It's well, like, and in some cases, like the one that we're discussing right now, some people don't even do an investigation and they just decide that people have run away and they don't even care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's like... Why do we have a show called The First 48 if you guys all know that that's the most important time, but then you're going to turn around and be like, well, you can't, um, you cannot even report it. We're not even going to take it seriously until 24. Yeah. So what we basically meant was the first 48 after you report it. No. Like, yeah, that's 72 hours after someone has been missing. Yeah. Ridiculous. Recalling the night, Miss Louise said, it felt like somebody ripped my heart out. It's so sad. Like, I just feel so horrible for her. I cannot even imagine. And if you watch, I don't, I mean, we've discussed this before. I love you, Oxygen, because you give a snapped. I don't love the disappearance shows that you guys put on. It's very contrived. It's very staged. It's scripted. It's too, it's overly dramatic. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that these things are not important and they're not worth being passionate about it's just too much it feels exploitative of victims families like they did it with the natalie holloway thing where they were trying to like you know they brought her dad in dave and like they had this guy trying to like go undercover and talk to the one guy's friend or whatever and trying to get all this information and it's just so yeah it's like at the end of every episode they're like oh look at all this information we're going to find or whatever. And then it's like dead end, dead end, dead end. You know, Dave's getting his hopes up. It's just, I don't know. It's awful. Bardstown. Yes. They did four episodes. My God. And it was, what did we get from that? Yeah, absolutely nothing. They draw it out and draw it out and draw it out. Yeah. And I feel like a missed opportunity because they didn't have a song like we do. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. But I do think one of the good things about this show was me being able to see Miss Louise and God bless her. She just is tired. She is. I'm sure. She's because she's had to do an investigation for 30 years. Like nobody else was going to help her. It's absolutely ridiculous. And live with the fact that only their immediate family, they're the only ones that care about these girls gone missing. Yeah. And luckily other people have picked up steam and cared about it as the case has gotten more attention. But yeah, but feeling like your own community didn't care for 30 years. Police officers. Yeah. Horrible. So, from this point forward, you are now pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just stay in that mindset. Just know that going in. Exactly. 24 hours passed and there was no sign of Danette and Jeanette. Miss Louise called the police department again, hoping for help in locating her daughters. She was transferred to Detective Jim Ship. Insert eye roll emoji. Yeah, he is the worst. Before meeting with the family, knowing any background about the twins or doing any investigation, Ship stated the girls were just probably runaways. So he's like on the phone with their mother and he's like, yeah, well, they ran away. 
She's like, you don't know them. He's like, okay, well, they ran away. How disrespectful mm-hmm. and rude of him to just assume. Yeah. And also, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Like, do do teenagers run away? Yeah, they do. But you have no no reason to believe that that's what happened. Yeah, no proof at all pointing in that direction. It's just, it 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 is very obvious that there is a lack of care involved yeah. in this. And, and this hope- is your job. Yeah, exactly. This is your job. I hope they did run away and I hope you find them. But you still need to look for them. It doesn't matter what happened. They are underage. They don't get to say, I'm just leaving. So you need to look for them regardless of what happened. Yeah. They're children. And to write them off as runaways is wildly irresponsible. Absolutely. This was the beginning of decades of frustration, anger, and hopelessness that the family of Danette and Jeanette will go through. Shantae recalled that about a week after the twins disappeared, the PD sent out an investigator to talk with them as well as a street officer. This was when the first and probably only incident report was filled out by officials. Still considering the twins to be runaways, Ship did not investigate. The police never spoke to Asiander, Miss Gloria at the pump and shop, or possible witnesses from the gas station or streets that the girls were walking on. Members from the family's church helped put up flyers around the neighborhoods, and the family spoke to the last person who was known to have seen the twins. Miss Gloria said that from where she was standing behind the counter to not be able to see the twins so shortly after they left, they would have had to do one of two things, either walk off in the opposite direction of their home or get into a vehicle. And that's, you know, why they would have disappeared so quickly. Mm-hmm. April 8th, 1991, just over a year after the twins disappeared. And, like, you have to jump in these big, like, it's just infuriating because we're already a year from when they disappeared and, like, nothing's happening. They're not talking to anybody, like, nothing. And you're still saying that they're runaways? They're 15? No, they're not. Detective Jim Ship had no business being in the position that he was in, in the he didn't he does not need to be a police officer. No, absolutely not. If you give zero shits about it, you need to go do something else. Yeah, exactly. Your title is detective, you dumb bitch. Yeah. Shantae remembered an investigator coming to their house. Hopefully that they were bringing news about their sisters. She and Ms. Louise were quickly disappointed. The investigator told the family that they were closing the case regarding Danette and Jeanette's disappearance. Due to the fact that the girls would have just turned 17 years old, even if they were found, police said they couldn't force them to come back home. And thank you to uh, Madison for researching this, by the way. But she makes a note here. So she says the timeline becomes a little fuzzy here. There were lots of claims made by both the family and police about when and why things were done. And what she's done is she's tried her best to compile everything that happened or was said to have happened, even if she couldn't find exactly when. So, you know, there may not be exact dates. There may not be, you know, everything may not match up exactly. But typically what we do or what we do is if there's a report of something and it differs from other reports, we will include what is reported most often. Or if we can find it coming from a family member or like an investigator and there's a report backing it up, you know, like in this instance, though, I don't know how much we're going to we would trust the investigators reports. But anyway, we just we try to, you know, we try to do the best we can, but we're we're working off of whatever's out in the media, basically. In 1993, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children 
spoke to Ms. Louise, informing her that they'd been told that her children had been found. This is, I don't even know a word for this. It's cold. Yes, yeah. Ms. Louise denied this as the girls obviously hadn't been located. And so they call it like NICMIC because the, it just, it's the acronym. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah. NICMIC said that they had been told by a detective involved with the case that the girls were located and that they should be taken off their files. And Miss Louise is like, no, they have not been found. And they're like, yeah, somebody like the detective told us you probably need to contact them because they've been found like and she knew this wasn't true. Mm -hmm. It was later found during an investigation into this entire case and how it was handled that Detective Ship was the one who made the call to NICMIC. When asked why, he said that through various second and third hand accounts, he believed that the twins had been seen. One of these sightings was from the principal at the twins high school. Ship reported that he'd said that he'd seen the girls and tried to get them to come back home. As of 2019, the principal is deceased and the story was never confirmed. Here's what I have to say about Detective Ship. Fuck you. Yeah. You're a piece of shit. You don't deserve to be in the position, or you never were. You never did deserve to be in the position that you were in. It's cruel. It's cruel to do that to somebody who is living their entire life trying to find her children and playing with people's emotions and exploiting the hope that mm-hmm. she that the mother and the family had yeah in hopes that they found cuz can you imagine the excitement and the joy and the the anxiety when she got that call being like hey we found your daughters mhm only to be like mm, no Mm-mm. no somebody lied yeah exactly he wanted to close this case cuz he didn't want to deal with it anymore and he also he just heard from other people that they had seen them mm-hmm. did you talk to them no. Did you see them? No. Then it then it's not confirmed, dude. Exactly. Like, and shouldn't he know what the deal with circumstantial evidence? Yeah, of course he knows. Well, and for him to be in the position that he was in and to treat his job in the cases that he was supposed to be working on as flies buzzing around being annoying and him sl- swatting them away. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is... What is the point of you? Exactly. Yeah. You need to go work at the DMV or whatever where you cannot give a flying fuck about your job. Exactly. I've never had a good experience at a DMV. They don't, like, I've never had anybody be like, I like my job. So go there. Go to McDonald's where you can tell people our... um, Flurry machine is... Yeah, our smoothie machine is broken. Like, whatever. But yeah, this is your whole fucking job, dude. Like, what an asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Nothing happened in this case between 1993 and 2013. In case you were wondering, the math there is 20 years. Yeah, it's and, 20 years. And not a one thing happened. In 2013, the first ever black sheriff was elected to Richmond County Sheriff's Department, Richard Roundtree. He said that he grew up in the area that the twins went missing from and that he knew there had been institutional racism present in Augusta in the past and that there likely still presently was. He called the way that the disappearance was handled in justice to the family and made the decision to reopen the case of Danette and Jeanette's disappearance. At this time, there was very little to no public information about the twins' disappearance, no Wikipedia page, no documentaries, no news articles. Many people believed that the twins had been located because that's what the police reported. Shantae recalled that people would come up to her and ask her how the twins were doing. <sighs> I cannot imagine the, like, what the trauma and the yes. torture that you have to deal with every day. Every day. And it's reopening that wound all the time because somebody sees you, you know, out somewhere and they're like, oh, hey, how are the twins? Like, th I don't know where, I don't know where they are. They're missing. Mm -hmm. Like, help me find them. It's, it's horrific. People are like, well, the police said they were found. They were just runaways. How are yeah. they doing now? Let me just pour this. Let me just pour some salt in your wound. Real yeah, quick. exactly. In 2017, a series of podcasts were created about the girl's disappearance. The fall line was able to interview Shantae and Ms. Louise and dig into the discrepancies that have plagued this case for years. In 2019, inspired by the podcast, there was an Oxygen Network special called The Disappearance of the Millbrook Twins. Because of the lack of any investigation by the police department, these two sources have served as large suppliers of information about Jeanette and Danette and what may have happened to them. In the Oxygen special, former federal prosecutor Laura Coates and former homicide detective Paige Reynolds set out to Augusta to find out exactly what happened. I but hope to God that Miss Louise... Shantae, whoever in the family, are able to file civil suits against the Augusta Police Department, mm -hmm. Detective Ship specifically, specifically, because there needs to be justice for these people. Yeah. And, and that's another thing. You know, when this kind of stuff happens, when evidence is withheld, when, you know, stuff like that, most of the time, absolutely nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets in trouble. They might um, go on like, 
paid leave while there's an investigation or whatever, and 99% of the time, their own department is investigating it and finds no wrongdoing or whatever. Imagine that. Just a slap on the wrist. That's all. Yeah. That's it. And, well, and, and I can't say this for everywhere. Again, this is maybe a generalization. It's the good old boy system in the South. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's who you know. It's networking. Yeah. But I mean, everywhere, you know, there is that like connection. And once you are in a position of power, it's like it's a lot of times that, you know, things happen in a prosecutor's office or a DA's office or whatever. And until a new person comes in, that stuff is not stopped. Nobody mm-hmm. questions it. Everybody sweeps it under the rug. It's like it's an institutional issue because it's the structure they've put into place. It's different, but I'm. I have to bring up the confession killer. Life. Oh, what were you gonna say? A bug's life. <laughs> well, I try to work it in all the time, but yeah. no, I'm talking about not this time. Okay, no confession killer mm-hmm. and the Texas Rangers. Yes, yes, big time. Yeah, it's like when you don't have any repercussions, what is stopping these people from continuing to do whatever they want to do? Yeah, no one's holding them accountable. So they can just, it's like, uh, what are the flies? You have no one reining you in, so you can just do whatever the fuck you want to do. Exactly. Coates had the opportunity to speak with Detective Ship, the original detective on the case. He did not want to be a part of the Oxygen Special, and he didn't want to be on camera, stating that he was hesitant about going public with what he knew i mean no shit that's not the reason yeah you're hesitant because you don't want the backlash because you're a fucking piece of shit yeah you're bad at your job yeah i'm actually not sure that i want to go on camera because i'm a mondo piece of shit yeah i'm really scared because i know that everybody's gonna hate me because i suck and it's not even just something small as being bad at your job it's giving no shits about human life right yeah exactly So, Coates met with him off camera, and when asked if he remembered the girl's disappearance, he said, oh, yeah, those two runaways. Still! No, keep going, keep going, keep going. It gets worse. Yeah. Coates asked him if he thought the twins were still alive, to which he responded, I don't know any reason they wouldn't be. She recalled that he started laughing before saying, if you find two dead twins, you let me know. What the fuck? And he's, like, laughing about it, so... You don't find anything wrong with this? Like, clearly not. Yeah, exactly. I do not understand how. I just don't have any words. I don't understand how somebody can live with themselves acting this way. It's because what I'm getting from him is that he views the these twins and maybe maybe a bigger group of people. I'm not saying I don't know, but specifically these twins as beneath him. Mm-hmm. They're not worth it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares anyway? They probably ran away. And if they didn't, what's the difference to him? You know? Yeah. If you find him dead. Yeah. That's so funny. If you find two dead twins. Fuck <laughs> off. During this interview is when Coates said that Ship admitted to calling Nick Mick himself and telling them that the twins had been located. He said that other people had told him they'd seen the girls, though he'd never actually laid eyes on them himself. When asked why he came to the conclusion that the girls were runaways so quickly, he responded by saying that the Millbrook twins were known. So when Coates pushed him further on that point, asking if the girls had a history of run-ins with the law or juvenile cases, 
Ship didn't know of any issues the girls had with police, but just kept reiterating that the family was quote-unquote known, but he wouldn't elaborate on the statement. What does that mean? They're known. They're known for what? Nothing. They're known for nothing. Like, you said they don't have any issues with run-ins with the law. They've not been picked up for being runaways. They've not been picked up for crimes. He's like, they're known for being somebody that I don't give a shit about. Exactly. Yeah. Coates asked him if he'd ever walked around the pump and shop on the corner of 12th Street and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, which was the one that the girls were last seen at. Ship said he wasn't familiar with that location. You better be intimately familiar with that location. All that does is just prove that he had not done any yeah. of his And we know diligence. that because he never talked to Miss Gloria, and she was the cashier and the last person to see them, and she knew them. Sure, of course. But even when we go on, I mean, just keep going. Because I just just want to, if you have not thrown anybody out of your window yet, yeah. get it ready. Get the window open. Get it ready. Yeah. If you hear a loud thud, that's Tori. <laughs> out the window. She goes. <laughs> okay. So, Ship's not familiar with that location. He wrapped up the conversation by telling Coates that he spoke to Ms. Louise once every week or two. So, he's like, oh, yeah, I talk to her all the time. Every week, every other week, whatever. When the case was active, when Coates asked him why Miss Louise said that he only spoke to her once or twice, Ship says, I don't know how to explain it other than maybe her IQ. If we lived any closer, I think we'd both be on the news. I know. I'm like, I don't condone violence, Mm -mm, okay? mm -mm, mm -mm, But mm -mm. I'm feeling some feelings. Well, and I think that that is due to the fact that your hands are in fact tied. Yeah. What are you supposed to do about this? I know. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? This is, this man is, he is so fucking smug. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want to insult garbage by calling him garbage. No. He's lower than rats. He's amoebas on fleas on rats. Amoebas on fleas on rats. That's what I was thinking. Were you really? Yeah, it really was. So there's a few theories about the case. Due to the lack of evidence, witnesses, and information, there may have been many theories about what happened to Danette and Jeanette. Some have reportedly been investigated by the Richmond County Sheriff's Department, while others are still loose ends. The first theory is the twins ran away. Shantae and Miss Louise are both adamant that the girls were not the type of people to run away. Both girls were known to be homebodies and had a great relationship with their mother and sisters. With only $20 on them, it's unlikely they would have been able to execute such a disappearance. Also, Danette had a seizure disorder that required daily medication that she did not have with her at the time. Some rumors say that one of the twins was pregnant, so they both decided to leave. However, neither girl had a boyfriend, and their sister Asiander was a young mom and still had a great relationship with Miss Louise. Nobody's going to make me believe they ran away from home, said Shantae. And they just didn't, like, they were, they were very close to their family. They were always in contact. Mm -hmm. They would have let somebody know if they were going to go do something different. Mm -hmm. The second theory is serial killer Joseph Patrick Washington. So he was also known as the Shaw Creek Killer. He was a serial killer who lived in Augusta and worked at the local brickyard not far from the twins' old neighborhood. He was sentenced to 17 life sentences in 1995 for several abductions of women between the years of 91 and 93. He sexually assaulted many of these women, claiming it was his revenge for an ex-girlfriend who transmitted HIV to him. 
He shot three of these women. However, they all survived. He was also set to stand trial for the murder of two women that he'd killed in 91. He never faced trial for these accusations, though, dying likely from AIDS in prison in 1999. Washington had a distinct victim preference, young black women ranging from teenage years to early 30s with short hair, and both twins fit that description. He was known to pull up to women in his vehicle, brandish a gun, and tell them to get in or he'd kill them. He had multiple vehicles at his home and often borrowed vehicles from the brickyard. Washington was never initially connected to this disappearance, largely due to the fact that their case was already closed. Yeah, by the time he was arrested, they were like, this is a done deal. A still unidentified body was discovered in 1993 in Aiken, South Carolina, that was believed to be a victim of Washington's. Her remains were skeletonized, but a facial reconstruction that was made bears a striking striking resemblance to Jeanette. Her family agrees and has pushed for DNA comparison. However, no tests have been completed. How frustrating for the family. I just do not understand. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. The third theory is John Milbrook. So that would be the twins and A.C. Anders' biological father. He was known to be heavily involved in gang and violent activity. Shantae noted that the girls still occasionally saw him at his house, which was either in or very close to their old neighborhood. Even after the twins went missing, he was not interested in talking about their case. He told A.C. Ander that if police came to her house and asked about him, to tell them that he was dead. Like, what if the police come to the house and are looking for you to say that we found your daughters? He's like, I don't care about that. Tell him I'm dead. I don't want to talk to him. Yeah, how does a father not care about his missing twin girls? Mm. Yeah. At the time of the oxygen special, John Milbrook's health had significantly declined. He was in a nursing home with dementia and unable to communicate very well. When he was younger, he had multiple run-ins with the law, including involvement in drug crimes and murders. At one point, he was in prison for helping two of his friends, Reggie Cummings and Ernest Vaughns hide the bodies of murder victims. 
When the Fall Line podcast reached out to Vons, who was still alive and incarcerated, he wrote them a letter back telling them that he might know where Danette and Jeanette could be found. The podcast host brought this letter to the Richmond County Sheriff's Department, but in the two years between their show and the Oxygen special, nothing was done to confirm or deny Vaughn's information. So they're trying to do what's right for the case because they're like, we wrote to him. He actually wrote us back and said, I think I might know where you can find them. And they're like, we wanted to write back. We wanted to call him. We wanted to get this information out of him as quickly as we could but we didn't want to jeopardize the investigation. So we turned it over to the authorities. And as far as we know, that's the thing, the the like, if you had like a dollar for every time somebody said, as far as we know, nothing was done with that, you'd be a freaking millionaire in this case because it's just like everything that was ever given to the police is just like, well, I don't think they did anything with it. I never heard back. They never mm-hmm. called me. Like, well, and that's the thing. People can have well to do, like they, they want There were plenty of civilians that had no right or resources to conduct an investigation that they wanted to make something happen. They're out there trying. They're doing their everything that they can, Mm -hmm. doing their part and all of the police department's part to work on this and try to get some answers. And then they do all of this for the police, bring this to the police and like, hey, guys, here we go. Here's the case for you. Here's the evidence. And the police are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're going to. We actually have other stuff that we got to get to. Yeah, I don't really I'm care about it. probably not going to get to that um, in the next five years. It's not actually my five-year plan. Yeah. And also, some idiot said that he found them. I mean, he didn't find them. He heard of someone who heard of someone who heard of someone who saw them. And plus, they just ran away anyway. So what does it matter? Doesn't matter. Case closed. Move on to something, something more important to me. Exactly. I hate all of these people. Coates and Reynolds from the Oxygen Special wrote another letter to Vaughn's, and he let them know that he'd be willing to talk to them. So they made plans to be at Vaughn's daughter's house nearby for the next phone call. So they wait with April, his adult daughter, hoping that he'll call and give them what information he may have. After several hours of waiting, they pressed April for information, knowing that her father may have told her something. So she finally admits that Vaughn's once told her that the girls were not alive and that he was there when it happened. So they do end up finally talking to Vaughn's over the phone. He said that there was, he said he was there that night and knows what happened. He told a story about the night the girls went missing. He said he was 12 years old and selling crack. The girls came down to 3rd Street to see their father, John. He recalls there being approximately eight to nine men in the house, all drinking alcohol and using drugs. Vaughn said that one of the girls started drinking and smoking weed and that the guys in the house tried to take advantage of her. The other twins saw this and said something. Another guy hit her, causing her to fall and hit her head on the table. At this point, someone told everybody to leave. Vaughn's would not say who this someone was. After that, the girls were gone. He didn't recall exactly where their bodies were buried, but suspected they were taken to the local brickyard, which is where dead bodies were often hidden. That is terrifying. When asked if he knew who had a white van at the time, Vaughn said that Oodle Boy had one and that Lil Cheese, Oodle Boy's nephew, was at the house that night and quote-unquote had his way with one of the twins. 
Vons thinks that knowing this and being part of this is what jo- drove John crazy. Shantae confirmed that she and the twins used to go to John's house from time to time. It is not believed that John or any of his cohorts were questioned regarding the girls' disappearances. Why would you not talk to his, their father? You're never going to ask him a question? No. And you know he's involved in drug activity and, and violent activities? Like, oh, I bet they had stuff to do that day. They couldn't get around to it. Well, and you know what? It may have been like 4.30, almost 5. And like, they were like, well, once you get started on that, and then they You're going to have to work over. Yeah, Yeah, that's a whole thing. I get it. I totally get it. The brickyard where Vaughn's indicated that the girls may be buried is about a mile and a half from where they disappeared. It's an enormous plot of land, several miles, partially covered in cement, and the rest is covered in heavy brush. There are abandoned trailers, trash, clothing, boats, and small broken-down structures. After Coates and Reynolds bring this information to Sheriff Roundtree, he sent investigators to the prison where Vons is being held to interview him. Mixed information was given to the family and Coates and Reynolds afterwards. Police said they were unable to corroborate parts of Vons' story and believe he may be remembering another double murder. My God. Like... If you've been present for enough of them to confuse them, something gotta be wrong. That's, yeah, that's so scary. This is based on the fact that one of the people he recalls being in a wheelchair that night was not in a wheelchair for another two years due to a police shootout. Coates and Reynolds also heard that Vons was encouraged by investigators to recant his story. However, Roundtree firmly denied this. Roundtree did know of Lil Cheese and Oodle Boy and knew that these guys were prevalent in the drug and violence scene during the time of the twins' disappearances, but it's unknown whether they've been questioned. I, why are we not asking anybody any questions? Like, Especially since we have a new sheriff in town who can, who can hopefully push these things yeah, if you're going to make a change. Right. And that's what he said he wanted to do. Like he made a big deal that it was his mission to like reopen this case and all this stuff. If you're going to reopen the case and start from scratch, there's really nothing to go back through. There's not there's only one report in the whole case. So go back through and start over, dude. Like and we already time is of the essence and we've already wasted so much of it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. There has been quite a bit of attention drawn to Jeanette and Danette's case since the Fall Line series and the Oxygen Special. As far as we can find, there have been no leads and no indication from the Richmond County Sheriff's Department that they're any closer to finding the girls or what happened to them. If you have any information regarding Danette or Jeanette Millbrook, please contact the Richmond County Sheriff's Office at area code 706-821-1096. If you Google the girls, you can find age-progressed photos of what they might look like today. This is the only case of missing twins that have still not been located. And I will just go ahead and add, if you have any information and you call the Richmond County Sheriff's Office and they say they'll get back to you or whatever, keep calling Mm -hmm. because they need to be pressed. I know. Like, that's a thing in cases like this is it's like, okay, who do we give the information to? Because I don't trust that they're going to do anything with it. I wish we could afford to hire a private investigator for this because Mm -hmm. I don't believe that they're going to do anything with this information. No. Like, and if you want, you know, a deep dive into this case, definitely listen to the fall line. I mean, it's an entire series of it. Yeah. An entire season on just that case. 
Um, or season, excuse me. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if they have other cases on it. I don't know if it's just this one or what, but this was originally supposed to be a mixtape. So, which is our, one of our Patreon shows. So we do kind of like a mini sode of things. Yeah, yeah. Mini. And it's really just a mini sode because it's, um, we still end up talking for an hour a lot of the time, but we don't um, have a problem talking for a long time. Exactly. But you know, it's just another case. I mean, we do on this show, we do three cases a week, two Patreon, one main feed, and then we have a snap. So four cases a week, but we wanted to put this one on the main feed and we've done this with some other cases before. It's just, it's important that it gets out in front of as many people as possible. This case is not being investigated. It's never been investigated. And especially with like election season coming up, people in Augusta, you can, you know, you can vote people into your your justice system that will actually investigate this case or maybe have an opportunity to get some of these people out who are not doing their job, who are not doing their due diligence. So, well, and I feel like a lot of times when we talk about elections, we think of the big election, right? Yeah. Presidential election. Local elections are so important. So important. So yeah. important. Let's let's make a change. Yeah. Let's absolutely. Vote people in who give a shit about the community that you live in. Right. Exactly. And we'll yeah, do because, their job. Yeah, cuz this this has been 30 years and nobody in that area has done their job. Because if anybody had done their job, any of these people would have been questioned by now. Even if you can't solve it. I'm not I'm not saying you have to solve it. Talk to people. Act like you care. Yeah. Do Try. ask a question. And what would be amazing, and I know it would be such, because if you are a believer, in, if you're spiritual or religious, you believe that once somebody passes away, they get the knowledge of what happened. But let's help Miss Louise and Shantae and the rest of the family have some closure before they leave this earth. Yeah. Yeah. They deserve to see something happen in this case. Yes. Yeah. That's the case. Um, it's so sad. It's fucked up. We will link to um, those age-progressed photos. We won't make you Google it. So... If you scroll down, um, depending on what you're listening on, I know like Apple Podcast, you can see the links. I don't know some of the other ones. I don't know if you can on Spotify or not, um, but we will link to it and we'll post about it on our Instagram as well so you can see that. But uh, definitely share this case with as many people as you can. Uh, share our post on Instagram. Let other people know about it. Somebody knows something and not everybody connected to this case has passed away. Vaughn's is still alive, as far as I know. You know, there's other people, like some of those other people that were there that night, he says. And and maybe he's lying. I don't know. But there are there are people you can we can talk to. Like there are people who know something. So maybe getting it out there will jog somebody's memory and be like, I mean, just like what we talked about at the beginning of this, maybe somebody saw a thing that seemed mundane at the time. And be and this case was never publicized. So it's not like somebody in that area was seeing on the news every single day, these girls are missing, these girls are missing, these girls are missing. And then that would have flagged them like, oh, hey, they haven't had an opportunity to even look back and be like, what was what was weird about that day? Yeah, exactly. Like maybe they did see them get in a white van or something like that. But they didn't think it was weird because they didn't know then later that those two girls were missing. In hindsight's 2020. Yeah. So if 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 we get it out there, we might give somebody who saw something that didn't realize it was important the opportunity to realize it actually was important. Yes, and do the right thing and help. And we're 30 years later, so who knows what they'll remember, but 
we got to do something. Things can happen. You never know. Yeah. Let's make a change. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for caring about this. And we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. And we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.